Software engineers have a skill that can be applied to solve problems outside of a code base in real life. Analytical skills can be used to evaluate investment opportunities. Creative thinking can be used to build businesses. Communication skills can be used to build and enhance relationships. John Sonmez is a software engineer who created the Simple Programmer, a community of developers who discuss strategies around software, business, and life. He joined me on the show to discuss these topics and others, as well as his new book, The Complete Software Developer's Career Guide. John is the author of Soft Skills, which is a popular book that engineers often purchase when they need to develop those soft skills. And I highly recommend an episode that he did on Software Engineering Radio about developing soft skills. It's a classic, and I'll put it in the show notes. By the way, Software Engineering Daily is looking for sponsors for Q3. If your company has a product or a service, or if you're hiring, Software Engineering Daily reaches 24,000 developers listening daily. Send me an email, jeff at softwareengineeringdaily.com, if you're interested in sponsoring the show. Now let's get on with this episode with John Sonmez. John Sonmez is an author, a teacher, and an entrepreneur. John, welcome to Software Engineering Daily. Thanks. Glad to be here. So you write a lot about the softer skills that an engineer needs to develop and should develop, in addition to a lot of the technical content that you produce. But I want to start off talking about the broader subject of skill development, because it's something that you've spent a lot of time thinking about. What are the skills that software engineers frequently don't develop as much as they should? So let's see. So we could talk about definitely a different from three different angles, you know, I would say f- for foremost, the, the soft skills, but I, I kind of get the impression that you're, you're looking for, for not the soft, not to go down the soft skills road just yet. Is that right? I think you could go down either route. I'm, I'm mostly curious because you see people in, in different places in their career arc. So you probably see people early on and in the middle of their career and later on in the, their career. And there's probably some th- themes, whether there are, they are technical skills or softer skills, that you say, wow, if this person would have just knocked it out earlier on in their career, they would have compounded much more interest throughout their career. So I, I think that, like just the skills that are the most valuable yet get underdeveloped. Okay, yeah. So I would say, you know, definitely by, by far and large, the biggest one that's most valuable that will have the largest compound interest for I think any person, not just a software developer over the course of their life, is the ability to learn, to be able to teach themselves, self-education. That's that's one of the, the biggest things because, you know, I would I'd probably rank some of the soft skills type of things after that. But if you have the ability to teach yourself, if you have that ability of self-education, then a lot everything becomes accessible to you. Everything, all the doors open up to you and you no longer rely on what other people tell you. You no longer rely on, on the system in order to educate yourself and, and you can go in any direction that you want. So I think that's probably the most valuable skill and it's it's surprisingly underdeveloped. You know, a lot of developers are self-taught, but they still don't really have the the skill. They still don't really have a really good handle on how to teach themselves new things quickly, how to learn quickly, how to absorb information. A lot of the ways that, that we tend to learn is we tend to read a book cover to cover or we go and enroll in a class, and that's usually the not the most efficient way to learn and, and to self-educate yourself. And it requires you to have a teacher. It requires you to go and, and go down a traditional path. But uh, but I, I, tr- I try to teach a lot of developers how to how to quickly you know pick up information. If you want to learn something, how are you going to learn it right if, as efficiently as possible? And I think that's something that that I found that has been extremely valuable, not just in my development career, but in my in my life in general. I like that choice because that's a recursive skill. I mean, if you're learning how to learn, then you're going to learn the other subsequent skills that are going to help you more quickly. I also think it's an infinitely difficult thing to do. I certainly check myself on a regular basis and say, oh, you know, I'm I'm making some sort of a mental bias that's keeping me from learning as quickly as I should be doing. So 
you know, I think it's that's that's a skill that one never stops developing. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. It's a lifetime skill. Just like learning itself is a lifetime skill. And and you get better at it as you as you figure out, you know, you you're working with a very small amount of 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 available memory that's that's accessible of RAM in your head. And, and and even your just your retrieval process is, is not as efficient as as you'd like it to be. So you've got to figure out really that you know how to learn things where you don't have to know everything, but you know enough and you can navigate enough to find the the pieces that you want. You know, almost like making one of the ways I approach it today is utilizing what we have using google using google as an extension of my brain right because i don't need to know a bunch of stuff that i can look up easily but i do need to know what i need to look up and that's that's really the key today i mean back in the day before we had our brains connected to the internet and and all of the available information that we had, we had to memorize stuff and it had to be in our heads. But now we can we can almost index into, right? We, we need an index in our head, not the actual data. Hmm. So what I like about your material is you have focus on both the short-term and the long-term thinking. I think there's a lot that has been written and content that's been produced about short-term tactics for improvement and that stuff is always valuable but you know as somebody who's built a, a lot of different angles to your career that are you know kind of building and evolving in different ways i can sense that there's an attitude of long-term thinking to how you have built your career to where it is today how how much long-term thinking should an engineer do and how does long-term thinking factor into creating and crafting a career that a software engineer will enjoy for the duration of their life that's a great question that's that's a question everyone should be asking themselves i think because that is one of the questions of, of life really of your career and i i've thought about this a lot really where my my thinking on this comes from is from two places from computer science algorithms but but more so from real-time strategy games i used to play you know resource management games like starcraft back in the day in world of warcraft and and all that those games where you have to manage resources and if you've played one of those games you know that the best strategy that you could possibly do in the game well the best thing, the best way you could invest resources is to is long term, right? Is if you know in StarCraft you had those those big Protoss carrier ships <laughs> that had like you know the, the biggest units that cost the most. The relative cost to the damage they did was was so great they did so much more damage than relative cost, but they cost a lot, so you'd have to sacrifice resources up front. So I think of life and your career in the same way. You can think of it in finances, you can think of of time you invest. You all if you could optimize for long term only, that would be the best thing possible. But in the meantime, you gotta pay the rent, you gotta eat, right? You gotta, you know, take care of of, of other things that, that require your time. So you do have to do some short-term thinking in order to survive long enough in order to benefit from the long-term. So the, the optimal strategy, optimal solution to this problem is to, is to make sure that you're setting yourself up for the long-term as much as possible with one caveat, which is that you have to live long enough or you, you have to have enough uh, of, the, of the time that you actually benefit from the long-term for it to be worth the investment. So, so for example, if we looked at this from the financial perspective, right? The, the, the best way you could possibly invest your money to make the most money financially would be long-term. Right. I mean, if you if you just looked at something like, let's say, CDs or, you know, most of the investment vehicles that had that you were locking up your money for the long term, that's going to have the highest yield. But let's say that I gave you some kind of investment where I said, OK, if you if you're I gave you I created this crazy CD certificate of deposit. Right. And I said, OK, what I'm going to do is if you lock up your money for, for the next 50 years then and you can't touch it then i'm going to give you you know a 3000% return on on your money per year 
let's say. I mean, that's a ridiculous amount, right? It doesn't matter because you can't spend that money because you'd be dead, <laughs> right? So you got to find that optimal optimal point. And I think that's that's such such in life, right? Is is and that's why I, I'm actually if you know to not to side tangent here, but I'm against 401k and retirement plans because my philosophy and my theory of life is you know what, I really don't care when I'm 65. Like I, <laughs> if I want to make it now and, and live a, and, and enjoy the, the fruits of my labor in an earlier time period, it doesn't mean that I'm not investing for the long term, but, but I'm, I'm, I'm thinking a, li- a little bit differently, not that long, right? So again, if we go back to the career, you know, if you, if you look at different, different stages of life, like for, for me, I don't bill by the hour as, as much as I can avoid it as possible. If I bill by the hour now, I, I bill at a minimum of $2,000 an hour is my hourly rate. And I know that sounds ridiculous, and, and you say, oh, most people aren't going to pay that. Yeah, but some people do, and if they're willing to pay that, then I'm willing to make a short-term decision. Other than that, almost everything else I work on in my career, in my life, is long-term. You know, even like recording this podcast, it's going to go out there. It's going to last a while, right? All of the stuff that I build, the stuff that I work on, because I know that that's going to have a, a bigger payoff and benefit down down the in the long run, right? I'm, I'm building those carrier ships in Star, StarCraft. I know that I'm going to going to invest my resources best that way. So I'd say, you know, to, to try to tie it to something practical. As a developer starting out or, you know, as a developer considering these things, right you you want to think about spending as much time as possible long term and just getting by as much as possible in the short term so what can you do you know can you cut your expenses as much as possible can you emphasize learning and developing your skill set more than making the salary now right can you invest in marketing yourself building a blog doing podcasts anything that's going to have that long-term payoff doing maybe youtube videos and tutorials right all of those things and and a lot of times that's why i advise a lot of developers i say hey look you know only work 40 hours for your employer and, and spend the first two hours or first hour of your day creating something long-term for yourself, building your blog, you know, creating a project, creating a business, something like that, because that's going to have the bigger payoff in, 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 the, in the long run. But this is like a fantastic question that, we, I mean, we could talk about this all day because there's so much you could think about to optimize it, but it really just comes down to, you know, if I laid it out to one simple principle, it would be optimize as much as possible for the long-term for the near long term, right? Not the too, too far long term. And so if I'm, let's say I'm either, I think there's two broad categories of people who listen to this show. And one is developers who are just starting out or they're doing a coding boot camp. They're switching from another career into software engineering. And the other category is somebody who's been an engineer for a while. And there's also some a subset of people who have already started a business or they're entrepreneurial. They're very happy with what they're doing. For those people, you know, this may not apply as much, but for the people who are early on in their career or they're a little bit advanced in their career and, you know, they're hearing this, okay, you know, can, I can do stuff on the side, you know, I'll, I'll only allocate 40 hours to my day-to-day employer. Why should I allocate only 40 hours to my day-to-day employer and spend the rest of my time doing other stuff like building my, quote, personal brand uh, rather than doubling down on my my career growth, like why wouldn't I focus on the corporate job and go deep on the corporate job and try to like really do well in in that kind of traditional position? For a couple of reasons, one of them it's it's a it's a fallacy to believe that putting in more hours for a corporate job will actually benefit you or. or get you to raise the corporate ladder. In fact, it may show it may show that you're somewhat of a patsy and that that you're and it may cause you to be stepped on and utilized and used, I would say. You know, in my whole career as a software developer, I'm not saying that I never did put in the time and, and work extra hours, but from a large portion of it, in the the latter half of it as a software developer, I limited my work to 40 hours even in places where people were working 60 and 70 hours. And not only did I not get fired, <laughs> I I got promoted more and I got paid more and I was the highest paid developer because I I thought my time was valuable and so did other people. Mostly, mostly people, this is just a, a good life lesson, is that mostly people will think of you what you think of you, what you honestly think of you, not what you pretend. But if you honestly think your time is valuable and you think you're a valuable 
person, there's no reason why other people aren't going to think the same of that. And that's you know, just, a, just a general idea. But to, to get more specific here, I would say that you know, you're taking a huge, huge gamble if you're going to invest in one company, invest a huge amount of your time in one company, thinking you're going to climb the corporate ladder. And not only are you taking a huge gamble, but doing that, that kind of thinking is, has what I call uh, bounded upsides. But uh, but really, it, it you, you want to aim for things that if you're going to invest a lot of time in things, if you're going to invest in things, you want to aim for things that have unbounded upsides, right? So so for example, it doesn't matter how good you are or how many hours you put in and how much you climb the corporate ladder, you're going to hit a ceiling. You're going to hit a glass ceiling at some point, and it, you're going to be you're going to be stopped. You're not going to make. You're never going to get paid as a developer a salary of I don't know, say five hundred thousand dollars or a million dollars. You know, pro probably not, right? unless inflation goes wild, but based on today's numbers. But if you're an entrepreneur, if you started your own business, if you have, you know, other income coming in, right, if you've invested in, in that way, uh, there, there is no cap, you know, it's, it's an unbounded upside thing. Now, the, the chances of you becoming a Mark Zuckerberg and making, you know, billions and billions of dollars, very low, but you, you've got a, a pretty high probability of, of something that that could actually result in in a much a much bigger score in the in the long run, and so I think a lot of developers too. You know, the times have changed, right? You know, our our parents have told us, go to go to school, get go to college, get good grades, and then go get a good job and climb the corporate ladder. And that's that's not true anymore because right now there's not as much stability in working for a single employer as as there was right the the economy is changing i mean look at the gig economy look at uber and look at all these these displacements going on in places where you know what are taxi drivers thinking right now you know a lot of unions are are really in, in trouble because there, there's no security of of a, a regular job so if you go and invest all your time, if you're working 60, 70 hour weeks for some company, whether it be a corporate job or a startup, which is even worse because that's that's just a lottery ticket and, and there's really no guarantee payoff there at all. But if you spend all that time and you're investing in building someone else's empire and, and doing, and, and honestly, you know, the other piece of this too is th those hours don't benefit you very much as far as your own personal development because there's a difference between just working hours and deliberate practice. And so what, what I'm saying is, hey, look, take those, you invest all that time, you may not get a payoff, you may get laid off, it's not going to carry over necessarily to another job, right? So, so it's, it's pretty, uh, a pretty bad bet. But take those extra hours. If you're going to work 60 hour weeks, I'm all for it. Hell, I work 70 hour weeks, most most weeks, probably more than that, a lot a lot of my career. But I took those extra 20 or 30 hours per week, and I put that to work for myself. Now, sometimes that was building a business, but sometimes it was just reading a lot and investing in my career, or learning a new programming language on my own, right? And just enhancing my skills, because that that was that has a payoff that exists outside of that particular entity or company, right? It, it's very, very limited in short-term thinking to think I'm going to climb the corporate ladder at, at some company, or I'm going to I'm going to kill it with this startup, and they're going to promote me up. Uh, that's that's not necessarily true, and it, this, those things don't carry over. I'd rather invest. Again, we, we talked about the investing in the long-term thinking, investing 20 hours extra at your company to hopefully climb the corporate ladder is short-term thinking. Investing the extra 20 hours in your career, learning a new programming languages, learning a new skill, building a business, building a blog, marketing yourself, any of those things, that's long-term thinking. Right. And, and I think what you're saying is it's more about allocating this time to, like you, you, you say, I'm going to work 70 hours a week, 40 hours for my day-to-day -day job. 30 hours for myself and then under that arc you could do uh, that 30 hour arc of working for yourself you could do any variety of things and whether you are starting a business and you have a long-term view for that business right now for that side business or you're just reading and kind of sitting low and just kind of thinking about opportunities that can be really valuable like you know you made a lot of money teaching courses on Pluralsight and it was an opportunity that surprised you like yeah, it, it, as far as I understand, you kind of stumbled onto that and was like, "Whoa, this is actually really valuable." So how do how do you look at the idea of opportunism? Because that was, you know, okay, this opportunity fell into your lap, and then you're like, oh, "Okay, got to pounce on this." Um, is like, how do you? Because and but it also seems like that was something that you cultivated by 
being ready for that opportunity to fall into your lap. So how so for the type of person who is, you know, they spend 40 hours a week at work and they spend 30 hours like hacking on stuff and learning stuff and reading stuff and they want to start a company or they want to build a software product but they don't feel like they're ready right now or they're kind of like waiting for the opportunity to fall into their lap. Is there a way to cultivate that opportunism and you know, be ready for the opportunity when it comes to you? Oh, sure. Yeah, definitely. This is one of those things where I get into heated debates with people about because they say, ah, oh, well, you got lucky or, or people get lucky or successful people get lucky or you need luck in the equation. And I totally agree you need luck in the equation. But I'll, but here's, here's the thing that, that I would say is that we all have these stellar opportunities that we, we're going to get like so many of them in our in the course of our life. But 90% of them we won't recognize. And then the ones that we do recognize, like 90% of those, we won't be prepared for. And then and then even of those that we do recognize and we are prepared for, I would say, you know, and I'm just making up percentages here, but I'd say 90% of those, we don't follow through enough to actually benefit. And, and that's that's the key. Like in order to really be successful, in order for opportunity to, to hit you, right, it, it's not enough just to be prepared. It's not enough to just recognize it or to have it, it come to you. You've also got to have the follow through and commitment. So success really, in my mind, you know, comes down to these three things. One, it's the it's the commitment, right? And two, it's the, the persistence. And, and three, it's the uh, it's the ability to to work without motivation, to go on w- without focusing on the results when when you don't feel like doing something. And so, if you look at you know f- for me, for example, at the Plural site, what happened there? Well, you know there there was an opportunity that happened, but I had been working, I've been building a blog, I've been marketing myself, I've been putting my name out there, working on developing my skills, a, a bunch of different skills, and so I. It made it more likely that I would have a connection that would that it offered me the plural side opportunity, and when I had that plural side opportunity, uh, that wasn't just like oh okay now here you go here's you now you can just be a millionaire. Uh, it w- there was a lot of other authors that were doing plural side courses, but they didn't do as many courses as I did. I saw the opportunity, and you know I did fifty five courses over the the next couple of years, and that that made made the difference. But I was prepared to be able to do those, so you know. Again, it's it, it required some luck and some opportunity for that to happen. But I've had I've I, I get lucky all the time. It happens to me all the time. I find these these lucky opportunities. But it's it's most of the time what I've found is that we we don't see them. And I could have easily not seen this one, or it could have easily passed me by. I could have not done a course, or I could have just done one course and I wouldn't have seen the opportunity, right? Or or not even had the opportunity show up at all because I I wasn't doing the other things to market myself. So. What I would say is, is it comes down to this is, you know, you got to get up to bat all the time and you take a ton of swings, right? And eventually you're going to connect, you're going to hit as long as you're willing to keep on swinging and swinging and swinging. And, you know, a lot of people are waiting, they're waiting for, for that perfect pitch to come and then they'll take a swing. But when that perfect pitch comes and they're like, oh yeah, this is the perfect pitch and they go and they go to take that swing, they realize that they don't have the muscular strength to actually swing the bat because they've never swung it before. And so if you're not willing to swing the bat and take a bunch of misses, uh, you're not going to get it. It's just not going to line up. It's going to, it's a numbers game, right? And so you've got to be taking enough swings. You got to have enough practice to be able to hit the pitch when you, when you actually do. And then when you start hitting pitches, you got to keep on hitting that, that pitch. You got to run the full bases you can't run to first base and then be out of out of breath and be like oh man this is too hard it's too tired okay that's enough uh, you got you got to be able to do all those things if you if you want it to to line up uh, you know in in i think there's there's a side of it too where where you can't force things you know i think a lot, you you got you can't force opportunities but it, it's it's just a matter of you know of training you you train you train you train and and then and then the one day you know the enemy shows up at your doorstep and you're ready right <laughs> if if you you keep, it's when the enemy shows up at your doorstep is not the time to start you know to training that's it's too late at that point so it it requires all of those things to to be in alignment and and most people honestly aren't willing to to put in the, the effort that that's required they just want opportunity but they, they miss the fact that they've they've already had they're they're gonna have so many opportunities in their life they're just most of them they're not going to be prepared for and they're they're probably not going to follow through on them hearing you talk about this it 
kind of makes me understand the simple programmer brand, the John Sanmez brand, which is, you know, maybe you started out just thinking, okay, I'm going to do some education stuff around like career development and some education stuff around how do you build a business, but that leads to, okay, how do you keep yourself prepared? And then that leads to, okay, here are some lifestyle suggestions and you have these you know principles around stoicism and health and exercise and you know pretty soon you're you're talking about a whole way of living that is and and you know there's 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 a lot of there's a lot of like podcasts and blogs and material around these topics of stoicism and health and exercise and you know you got people like Tim Ferriss and Ryan Holiday and all these these other guys who have kind of built personal brands around this. I think this is a really good thing because a lot of these different people portray these well-proven principles that are not that it's like not controversial, they're not secretive. It's the same stuff that you know Tony Robbins has been talking about for a long time. But do you see yourself as unique in the sense that you're portraying these principles through the lens of a programmer? Like, am I am I portraying your uh, kind of your vision and your brand correctly? Yeah, I think you are. I mean, that I I would equate myself. Sometimes I I tell people when they ask when they ask what I do, it's funny. My I either use I used to say I'm I'm kind of like Tony Robbins for software developers, but I, <laughs> I found that not not enough people really understood who Tony Robbins was, and they thought, oh, so you like you like you know what I don't know what they think that he does, but you 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 just do motivational speaking. He he coaches every area of your life, right? And that's that's kind of what I do. So then I started saying, well, I help software developers. I teach software developers how to be cool, and that that's where I've landed. Is is that's what I tell people most of the time now. And and you know it's it's kind of joking, but it's personal development, right? And it's kind of funny. So. So my lens for it is definitely different in the fact that I come from an analytical and software development mind, right? I, I think that that is, is, is unique to it because, well, for a couple of reasons. One of them is that I'm a skeptic. I mean, I'm into the most woo-woo kind of crazy stuff, right? That, that people are like, man, John, it, really, seriously, the universe like, tapped you on the shoulder, what's, John? What's, come what's, on. What's an example of that? Well, you know, I read books like the, the like the Power of Now, you know, which is somewhat kind of mystical, like you know, Eckhart Tolle. Uh, almost, or what is it, Eckhart Tolle? Yeah, Eckhart, yeah, exactly. And 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 I talk about these these kind of things that that are are out there, right? Affirmations and these kind of things that that. But but I came from an analytical, like I was so skeptical of all that stuff. And I started applying these things in my life. You know, I, my, my path to it really came from, I would talk to, I had the opportunity to talk to a lot of millionaires and, and some DECA millionaires and, and even a, a couple of billionaires. And I would ask them, I'd say, hey, like, what is the number one book that you'd recommend that everyone read, right? Mm. And I would ask this question. Whenever I find someone super, super successful, I assume mm. they're not lucky. <laughs> I assume that luck had a part of it, but I assume that they did those other two things I talked about. So... It kept coming up this stupid book, this dumb book called uh, Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. And I'd read this book before and I was like, oh, brother, give me a break. This is ridiculous. This is ridiculous stuff, right? But they kept on saying it, right? So I was like, all right, you know what? If all these guys, like, here's the problem with ignorance. If, if you're ignorant, you don't know you're ignorant. It's impossible to detect, right? If you think about that, right? If you are ignorant, you can never be aware of your own ignorance. It's not possible by definition, right? So, so I've sort of developed this philosophy in life that says, okay, sometimes when I think I know it all, when I think I'm smart, when I think I'm wise, I, I, I have to look at people, and I think other people are crazy, but they're more successful than me in some area, or they're super successful. I have to, I have to kind of say, well, is it possible that they're wiser than I am, that I'm actually ignorant and that my analysis and, and everything that I've got going for me is is that they're, they're at a superior level and I can't detect that. It'd just be like undetectable, right? Ignorance is undetectable. So should I just give what they say, if, they, if they're qualified, the benefit of the doubt and try it out, right? So that's sort of what I did there is I read or reread the book with this new mindset and I still was a little skeptical, but I started you know, looking at some of the other books they were recommending, again, a lot of kind of crazy stuff out there. And I started applying that stuff in my life. And man, 
my success, I started getting a lot more successful, not only a lot more successful, a lot more fulfilled and happy in my life and, and felt a lot better. And I was like, wow, this is really, you know, I got, I got to reevaluate my, my position. So that, that sort of led into the, the whole thing. That's where I sort of shifted. And I still have the analytical mind, right? I'm still very skeptic at heart, even though it, sometimes it doesn't seem like I am. But uh, so, so I approached these personal development things, not from a, a blind follower type of, of viewpoint, but from one who actually, who recognizes both that there's things we do understand and we need to analyze and, and scrutinize those things. And there's some things that we don't understand, but they just work. And we and, and maybe there's some science behind them, or maybe the universe is way more complicated than we think, but these things work. So let's just take some of these things on faith and, you know, and try these things out, even though that, that sounds really weird, weird to say that. So that, that's where, where I, I come from. I'd say there's one other, one other thing that I, that I bring that's unique, I think, to the space, which is I was just doing a video on this the other day. And, I, you know, I record two to three videos a day. And I record, I mean, my, my YouTube channel is almost like a diary for me. And so a lot of people, a lot of success gurus and stuff that you see out there, you see their success, you see their highlight reel, and you don't see how they got there, and you don't know if they're pulling the wool over your eyes and stuff. But you know, I go and I go run a marathon and I film it, right? And I and and everyone knows that I'm working out and you know lifting weights and and going for 40 miles a week of running. And you see me on video and you see that I'm ripped with a six pack all year round, right? I'm not bullshitting you when I when I'm saying this stuff, right? You see how many hours I'm putting in, right? I'm talking about these things, you know. And even just from YouTube, you see every day two to three new YouTube videos come out, right? For for several years now. And so so when it when you say, oh well, yeah, you got lucky to get 100,000 subscribers on YouTube. No, no, I didn't. I showed you exactly the process that I'm following. So I think that's that's the, the piece that, that I, I try to bring that's unique is to say, look, not only am I telling you, I'm not just telling you all these like mantras for success. You're seeing me do it and you're seeing the results of it as you're watching me grow. And I'm just giving you everything that I'm learning, my mistakes, my successes, my failures, all that stuff and you're seeing it on a daily basis so there's there's no question you know it's like reality tv you can't say this didn't happen because you're seeing it so that's that's sort of the the unique kind of approach that that I take to it how does fitness factor into your life as a programmer well you know at the, at the very s- simplest level the if we talk about long term benefits if you if you die young from heart disease <laughs> or you have a low quality of life, uh, you're, you don't have much time to actually benefit from the long-term benefits. So, uh, you know, if you're going to, if you're not going to care about fitness at all, then, then you should probably try to make money real fast and spend it real fast <laughs> uh, because you're not going to benefit from the long-term. But at a bigger level, I would say that there's, you know, well, okay, so we could we could go back to like i mean we could go really deep into what is the basis of human psychology and like what are the basic human needs right what what is it that has caused us as a species to do things i mean why do why do we have jobs why do we make money uh, you know for you know i, I know this is going to be a little bit out there but but if you really really think about it for the the most driving biological factor, right, which evolution would, would say, you know, a lo- most scientists would agree with me, even though it sounds weird when I say in this context, is the sex urge, right, is to actually procreate, right? And so at a very, like, basic level, I could say, hey, one reason why you should get fit is just for vanity's sake, because it'll it'll improve your odds of, of procreating successfully, right? <laughs> which which is really important to a lot. I mean, this is funny, very but... Reasonable. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I my, when I started the YouTube channel, I started getting you know a lot of a lot of YouTubers, right? People that are watching YouTube are you know eighteen to twenty five year old single kind of nerdy guys, and and what became very very apparent to me was that one of their main concerns in life, which makes sense, would be, hey, how how do I uh, how do I interact with the, the opposite sex? How do I how do I get girls? How do I you know they they don't know how to do this stuff, and so I think fitness definitely plays into that confidence is more important but but fitness plays in that so so i just at a very basic level i'd say like getting in shape is going to make you feel better about yourself make you feel more confident make you have more appeal which is is highly beneficial but the other thing i'd say just from a more pragmatic standpoint of you know for for everyone that says oh i don't really care about that well you do but okay well you can you can 
uh, you know, talk to your own psychologist of, about that and, and, and dig deep into that. But, but let's just, from a very practical standpoint, if you're healthy and you're able to have high energy levels and you don't have things that are weighing you down and you feel confident because you're, you, you look good, you're going to be more effective. You're going to be more effective at what you do. You're going to have more energy, right? It's going to be easier for you to, to endure things for, for a longer period of time. And, and again, just to take one more trip back into vanity zone, guess what? Do you think that fit and good-looking people get promoted more, get more opportunities? I mean, what? what, yeah, of what well, of course they do. Right. What world are we living in? We're not living in a, in, in a meritocracy. We'd love to be. But we're not. I mean, you know, I'm not saying that we shouldn't have one, but we don't. And and it's probably not going to happen anytime soon. So, you know, use use every asset that you have, every advantage that you have. And, and that's that's a huge one. So and it's one that you can absolutely control. So I think there it plays into a lot of, you know, it's I always think of it this way, right? Because a lot of people ask this question like, oh, well, why fitness? Why all these things? Well, why do you teach developers about finance? It's it's like you got a car, OK? And it's if any one of those wheels on that car is flat, you may be able to drive for a little while, but pretty soon that rim is going to be you know grinding and, and bend, and the, the thing is going to flip, or you're going to the car is going to stop. And so a lot of developers, a lot of people in life, they got an awesome engine, they've got you know they're focusing on they've got these these awesome wheels on the tire, but they're neglecting like one or two of them, and eventually the the wheels come off. Eventually the whole thing falls apart and so you've got to focus on all these areas of life you can be a super super successful person and make a ton of money and if you don't have any kind of social skills it's not going to be too much of a benefit to you you could have a ton of money and if you don't have fulfillment in your life and don't know how to actually like derive your own sense of fulfillment from what you do and have meaning and purpose in your life it's not going to matter to you you could have all the money in the world and and you can try to spend as much money on doctors as, as you possibly can, but if you if you're overweight and you're out of shape and you've messed up your heart and you've got diabetes because of, of what you've done to yourself, wh what are you going to do? How are you going to spend that money? It's not going to be valuable to you. So I think there's it's important to to realize that it's all connected. And and as you bring up one area of your life, as you become more fit and and you develop the discipline and all of those things that are required to become more fit, you're going to find that that carries over to your career. You're going to find it carries over to your relationships. You're going to find it carries over to all these other areas of your life. And so that's, that's why I, I go down that road. Mm. Yeah. And I, I agree with those things. You know, I, I really like the idea that it's like your the simple program is really about this holistic, like viewing the life of a programmer from all these different angles because they are all intermingled and to focus on just one aspect of those things would be at the expense of all the others because they all are intermingled and they all compound against each other. And you, you know, you write about this, you do videos about this, you have podcasts about this. And there's a lot of authenticity. I think authenticity is, is something that you willfully want to bring to the table, and you do reflect that in a lot of your writing. Are there things that we can't talk about, like things that we can't say, or things that you can't say, like controversial issues? Because I know there are certain issues that, you know, I try to talk about a lot of different issues in, of engineering. There are certain things that are so hot button or so just like, you, you you can't talk about like uh I don't know if you've read this essay by Paul Graham like what you it's called what you can't say and then his wife Jessica Livingston also wrote about this they founded Y Combinator and dude, they just talk about some some of the most valuable pieces of advice are about startups at least are things that you cannot talk about and I think there are certain taboos and obviously this is kind of like a meta question because I, I wouldn't expect you to actually say these <laughs> things but. Maybe are there certain areas that like they're so taboo, they're so controversial that you would at least suggest people ex examine like more fundamentally because nobody's nobody can actually write about them. They're just you know even even the the John Sonmezes of the world can't tell you authentically how to think about thing X. So I would say honestly, you know, I know this is, will, will sound fairly bold, and 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 maybe someone will try and call me on my bullshit here, but. For for John Sonmez, for for what I will talk about, mm. there is no there is no X, there is mm. no nothing. I mean, I have done videos on porn and masturbation, uh, <laughs> and because 
because there's no like there's no one talking about this right and developer True. i mean like cool. I, right and and i have to address this to my audience because my audience is facing these problems and i have to mm. give you an objective a non-moralistic viewpoint on this and i've mm. done it and, I, and i've talked about my own experiences with it and 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 why it affects you negatively and how to overcome these things because no one else is talking about this stuff mm. and, and 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 here's the other thing is not everyone should be and not everyone could be i agree with you in the sense mm. that that there are things that can't be talked about but here's here and this is why well okay I've got nothing to lose for a couple of reasons. One, because I'm independently wealthy from my my investments, right? I don't have to work. I you could take away, I could lose my sponsor. I don't give a shit. Like it doesn't matter to me. Uh, and 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 second, because I made a decision in my life that I'm going to live my life as boldly as possible, and whatever consequences come, they come, and and that's part of life, and I'm going to deal with them regardless mm. of what what that means. Some that may mean that it's going to cut my life short. It doesn't matter. That's a decision I, I made a, a while back, uh, just because of the way that I was living my life in such a guarded and protected fashion. So I'm willing to go there, but at the same time, not everyone should be. And I I, I did a couple of videos on this because people were asking me. They're like, "Oh, should I talk about politics and religion?" And I'm like. No, <laughs> let me tell you why, okay? If you are creating a blog and a podcast and you're, you're about, let's say that you're specializing in, in AngularJS, right, JavaScript, that doesn't have anything to do with that. Right. You don't you don't go like you need to be controversial. Like I, I talk about being polarizing. Right. And I, I think being polarizing is extremely valuable, but you have to be polarizing along the wrong, the right poles. For me, that's everything for me. Well, OK, I won't say everything because it's everything that will give you some kind of wisdom or value in your life. Right. I'm not going to talk about politics for the sake of talking about politics or just because it's my opinion. I'm not going to talk about stuff that I do not think will bring actual value to people just to be a controversial figure. I, I have no interest in being a controversial figure for the sake of being controversy. But like I said, I will talk about porn and masturbation and do a video on that because that is relevant and, it, and it's going to upset people. That's fine. I'll talk about I talk about I've done some videos on racism. I've done some videos on white male privilege and and I've gotten a lot of heat and flack for that. But the reason why I did those videos was because I wanted to stop people from the victim mindset and mentality. And, and that was it wasn't to get views. It wasn't to like to raise a controversy. But again, if you if you go back to like that JavaScript developer that that sees my videos and sees my content and says, oh, I want to be like John. I'm gonna I'm gonna like do a video on Trump or on uh, you know on on transgenderism or whatever you know whatever they're gonna do a video on. I'm like, no no no, <laughs> you're missing it. Be polarizing about JavaScript. Like say. Say why everyone should use should should forget about Angular two and stick to Angular one, and this is why I think that, or why we should just throw out X technology completely, or why you only develop on a web IDE, or whatever it is. Like pick something controversial that's polarizing, that's specific to your thing, right? And uh, and again, there might be other people out there like me that are t teaching personal development for software developers. And in that case, sure, it probably is going to make sense for you to to expand the boundary a little bit, but also be wary of of your job and, and what you're, you know, again, like I said, I, I come from a place, I, I, I told you that the two reasons why I'm willing to go wherever I need to go is because one, I don't have any, there's no one that can, there's no boss of me that can fire me or not like my post on Facebook and, and give me repercussions. I'm my own, my own boss and I don't even need the business. I've got real estate investments and, 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 and money set up that I'm, I'm, I'm set for life, not to brag, but that's, I, I did that purposely. And, and that allowed because I, I enjoy free because freedom is my highest value in life. Right. And then, and secondly, uh, it, it, the fact that I'm willing to, to, you know, live by a sword, die by a sword. I mean, that's, that's a philosophy that, that I adopted. Not everyone is willing to make that choice. So, so I'd say, you know, there's definitely some accuracy, a lot, a lot of accuracy in, in what you said is that there's a lot of topics that, you know, it, it might seem a little hypocritical sometimes when I say it, but I tell developers all the time, like, don't just do, don't just be controversy for controversy. Don't just, you know, I'm not saying share all your opinions and your politics and religion and, and don't hold anything back. I'm Pick saying like, yeah, exactly. And make sure it's relevant to your personal brand because we all have a personal brand. And it, as long as it's relevant for me, like I said, there, it, it's, it's a pretty wide, wide thing, but it's, you know, I feel like someone's got to do it. And that's, that's, that's the role that, that I, I've taken. But for most developers that are listening to this advice, it's not going to be in your best interest to broach 
most of these subjects. Like, go crazy on the controversial stuff that has to do with the technology, right? Don't be afraid. Don't let you know people shunning you hold you back from talking about those things. But as far as those other bigger political issues and stuff, it's really not going to help your brand in, in most cases. Okay, now that we've talked about the substance of the the content that you make, you know, as a content creator myself, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on the different mediums because there's so many different mediums that you can go after these days. You can write, you can podcast, you can do video creation. And so like just asking for myself because I'm trying to build this as a a larger media channel. How do you see writing and podcasting and video creation? What are like what are the differences across the different categories? What have your learnings been? Yeah, that's a good one. That's that's interesting. I, you, I've seen people s- successful on each of the of the mediums, and what I have found is that what seems to work best for me. I've got, I've definitely got some favorites here, but a, a general philosophy in, in policy, I think, is to pick one medium to start off and be as prolific as hell on that medium. Right? Like one of the main strategies I have in life that almost is always successful is just to be as prolific as hell because when you're super prolific you're gonna that's that's getting up to bat and swinging a whole bunch of times you're gonna hit not only are you gonna get hits eventually but your arms are gonna get so strong from swinging those bats that you're actually gonna get uh, that bat you're actually gonna get good and when you do get hits they're gonna be good hits right so that's that's one strategy i think that 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 you need to make sure that you employ i think a lot of people they take a scattershot approach. So they're like, okay, well, I'm going to create a podcast and a blog and a YouTube channel and social media and all that. And and all that is great. And, and it can be really, really good. But the problem is if you're only putting a, a trickle on each one of those, it's not going to be as impactful, right? That's, that's, that's a thing, right? So I would say focus on one. And, and as far as which one to focus on, I think there's a couple of things that, that come in, into play here. In my opinion, and and my experience, because I've been on all the, all those mediums, video is the best format mm. because of a couple of things. One, I mean, okay, with video, I, I've had podcasts and blog for a long time, and if I'm at a developer conference, yeah, sometimes someone will say, "Hey, I saw your Pluralsight video. Oh, you're John Sanmez, or like I heard your podcast, right?" But literally being on YouTube. I'll be walking down the street. I mean, just this last week, twice when I went for a run, when I stopped my run, you know, people came up to me and said, oh my God, it's Joan Sanmez, right? Because you you actually create a, it's like being on TV. It's like being a celebrity. So mm. that is powerful because not only people are hearing your words, they're seeing you, they feel like they know you, they feel like you're a star to them. And so that is very, very powerful for building a brand, just having that, that visual element. Now, and I didn't expect this, right? I mean, this was not something that that I expected because I had my blog for a long time, and right now I get about triple the views on my YouTube channel as I do page views on the blog. Like the blog gets maybe like two hundred and fifty thousand views per month, but the YouTube channel gets like seven hundred thousand views on videos per month. Now I'm putting out a lot more content there. I'm putting out two to three videos a, a day there. So. What I would say, though, is so that's one factor is I think video is the best medium possible. And, and then I, I would say that podcasting is probably the second again, because you've got there, people are you're in someone's ear for a long period of time. And then and then I think blogging is, is the, the worst right now, uh, although although it's also has the lowest barrier to entry. So when I tell developers starting out, I say create a blog, right? I've got a free blogging course that I, I usually send them to. And, and I say start there because everyone can do that. It's got a low barrier to entry. It's a good place where you can start writing and you can start, you know, writing is, is the key skill that's going to develop any kind of communication for you anyway. You're not really going to be able to talk in front of a camera if you can't write for the most part, right, because you have to learn how to organize your thoughts. So, uh, and then I would say the other factor to influence all of this is is where is your strength? So like where can you, or where do you want to go? I mean, you could develop strengths, but if you are a really strong writer, and you just you you don't have the camera presence, and you don't want to develop the camera presence, then hey, then blogging is going to be it for you, right? If you've got a great radio voice, but again, you don't have the camera presence, then podcasting, you know, could could be it for you. But whatever you do, pick one medium, be prolific on that medium, and then expand to the other ones, and that's that's how you're going to find the most success. If you look at people 
you know, if you just look at social media, you look at Instagram, you look at blogging, you look at Facebook and YouTube, you'll find that most people that have a very large following and a very large brand have one place that they are super prolific on. That's their main thing, right? And that's, I think that's important to recognize because there's, you know, even if you look at someone like Tony Robbins, right? I think I went over to his YouTube channel and I think he had maybe like a few hundred thousand subscribers, not, mm. not anywhere you would think he might have millions of subscribers, but he doesn't, right? But, you know, or, or Tim Ferriss, or I think the same deal there. His podcast is huge, but his YouTube channel, not so much, right? And there's other people like PewDiePie, right? He's got a ridiculously huge YouTube channel, but I don't know if, I don't think he has a podcast or and he probably has a blog somewhere, but I've never seen it. So th those are the kind of things I would, I would keep in mind. Mm. So you wrote a book about soft skills and i've heard several podcasts where you talked about that your more recent book that you're working on is the complete software developers career guide what's the diff between those two books what is evolving in the narrative that you're trying to tell sure so so with with soft skills the software developers life manual it was all about more on the personal development right there was a section on careers there was a section on fitness and finance and productivity and learning and marketing yourself and then on more of the mental game the self-development what i called spirit in the in that book and so it was more on the holistic approach that that i generally teach on my on my channel and and on my blog so that was that was important for 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 what what i feel like is really important just for everyone to, to grasp in life but there was a lot of people that that said well you know that career section like everything was great but that career section i wish you would have expanded on that like there's so many questions i have on the career and i looked out there and i was like okay there's really not a really good soft skills book on just the career of a software developer telling someone how to get into the industry uh, what they need to learn, how to learn properly, uh, how to do how to do things like deal with your boss and deal with coworkers, how to deal with prejudice, perhaps in the office, how to dress, how to go to an interview, how to get a raise, how to set yourself up for promotion, right? All of those type of things, and what exactly do you need to know? So I said, okay, you know, two things were going on in my head. One of them was, look, I'm moving more into this personal development space, but I I had a lot of success in my career as a developer and I've talked to and coached and counseled so many developers. I've got so much wealth of information from my audience and, and from all these interactions I've had. I want to capture all that. Um, so that. So that was going on. And then the second thing was I really want to create you know, the ultimate, the complete guide for software developers where every single developer should have this book on their shelf. There's like It's going to be valuable for everyone and it really is what someone would say is the complete career guide that's all soft skills approach not not technical information but all from a soft skills you know this is the tome the manual you need to have a successful career as a software developer and it answers all of your questions and so that was was the driving force and and i also you know i'd say that a distant third would be just my uh my my masochism of wanting to write another of the pain of writing another book <laughs> so so that's that's where it came about and and that's and that's really the difference is that this book is completely focused on on your career as a software developer from start to finish it goes from the beginning of when you're starting out in your career and just getting into the field of software development and all those questions should you go to college or boot camp or self-educate and if you in whatever choice you choose how's the best way to do it to getting your first job or getting a new job as a software developer and then transitions into all the stuff you need to know. There's so many things that new developers don't, or, and even even existing developers don't know that they need to know, like uh, you know, source control, the basics of that, QA, continuous integration, uh, all of those type of things, right? What is web development? What's embedded systems? What are all these, these things that are at a high level? And then finally going into the last two sections, which are, you know, as a working software developer, what do you need to know? This is where I talked about the dress and working with your coworkers and boss and, and all of this. And then finally, the last section is is more for, okay, now if you want to advance your career, where do you, where do you go from here? How do you actually take it to the next level? How do you do something like, you know, consider creating a personal brand or starting podcasts or, you know, getting out there and speaking at conferences, right? So I tried to pretty much encompass, I mean, it's an 800-page book, <laughs> 
<laughs> at this point. So I try to pretty much encompass everything. Hmm. So a lot of the things that we cover on Software Engineering Daily are about what's changing in the technical world. So for example, platform as a service makes it a lot easier to build and deploy apps that are reliable and scalable. You know, you've got things like Firebase that can handle your your database more easily and it's all low cost. There's also changes like it's becoming easier to hire contract developers. Like contracting got a bad name in the 90s and the early 2000s because you couldn't do quality control, but now we've got really good talent marketplaces. It's much easier to hire contractors. So there's a lot of systemic changes to the world of software. So if you're thinking about like building a software product, it's gotten easier in certain ways. Does that impact how you think about the career guide for a software developer? In some ways, yes. But I always try to think in terms of principles rather than in in what I would call strategies mm. or tactics, right? Mm -hmm. And so this is more yes, timeless there, stuff. Exactly. Yeah. I, from everything I try to do, I try to as much as possible because that's evergreen. That's like you said, the timeless stuff. And so, from the book's perspective, yes, there will probably be some things that will change. Some of the tools that I called out, the names might change, but. I would say 95% of the content is going to be more on the higher principle level stuff. That's probably not going to change or like if it does, it'll be adaptable. Like you'll be able to figure out, okay, well, yeah, th it was this, but you know, this is what it, what it means now, right? It, it should be pretty obvious from that. So not that I won't update the book ever. I probably will update the book, but I've always tried to focus on those, those higher level things. You know, when I first was approached to write my, my first book, Soft Skills, Manning had approached me and they said, hey, you know, you've got a pretty big audience. We'd, we'd love to, you know, whatever book you want to write, we, we want you to, to write a mm. book. Yeah, how about how about Android development? Because we know you've done some courses. And I was like, you know what? If I'm going to spend the time to write a book, it's going to be a timeless book. It's going to be one that's going to sell for the next 10 years. It's not going to be some technology. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they're kind of shocked. They're like, well, you did all these Pluralsight courses on these all these technologies and stuff. Why wouldn't you want to, you know, you could easily catapult off of the back of that. And I said, no, no, I'm not going to write a book to make money. <laughs> it doesn't make sense, right? So, uh, and if and if I do, it, it's going to be something timeless. So, so I've tried to do that with, like I said, with most of the material that I put out, right? But but definitely with with books because books you don't make much money on. It's it's true, and so you want them to sell for a long time. And and really, books should be something like that, right? I mean, the most valuable books that I have on my bookshelf are books that are timeless, that have principles in them, that are not tactical based. There's there's definitely some value in tactical based things, but they they change and they go they go out of date. And so yeah, you know, the, the field of software development. It's going to change the way that we write code is, is going to look different, but the higher level principle is not going to change. Algorithms will always be algorithms, right? The, the process you go through to solve algorithms and a lot of the ways that you deal with your careers and a lot of the ways that you deal with people, right? Because you could almost say that er that everything that I that I write about is, is how to deal with people because that's that's ultimately what all of us software developers are not do more than anything else and that's ultimately what defines our success so those things won't change so building a software company that's based in software that you're selling that feels like a very different business than building a media company does it ever feel like and i i'm i am speaking firsthand like software engineering daily is a treadmill where i have to produce content on a regular basis and certainly there are some evergreen qualities to it but it's not exactly the same as writing you know windows 95 and just like selling that in perpetuity and it, all you have to do to continue, to make it keep going is just printing more copies of windows 95 does it ever feel like the the media business that you're in conflicts with the idea of software engineering which is like building automated scalable systems well it's kind of interesting because that that you would say that because there's there's a real big fallacy that most software developers have when they want to become entrepreneurs which is they think that there's such a thing as passive income <laughs> and there's not the closest thing to passive income is real estate to be honest with you like i have real estate investments that i hardly have to do anything with and it just earns me money every month but it costs a lot of money to, to do that in time to, to set that up 
But with software, and this is why I say this is one of the biggest fallacies, because I get these emails all the time, right? All these, all these people send me emails with their million-dollar ideas, and and I have to crush their dreams, and I have to reply back and say, you know what? I while I was sitting on the toilet this morning, I had ten million-dollar ideas, and they were all just as good as yours, right? And and I'm not saying it to be mean. I'm not saying it to be conceited, because I because I, I I believe that everyone has million-dollar ideas. It's execution, and but it's not just execution. See, that's the other thing. Is software developers think, oh well, you know, I'm in a, in a unique position. I can I can build this software, right? I can build this awesome software. Well, you know what? The biggest piece that you're missing is marketing, because <laughs> that's the one thing. It's like marketing, marketing, marketing. Like that's it, it doesn't it doesn't matter. And and so let's let's say you build your awesome piece of software, right? If you don't have a way to sell that, if you don't have a sales pipeline, a sales funnel, a marketing funnel to be able to get people into that funnel to actually get exposure to what you're selling and then buy it, it, it doesn't matter. You could have the most fantastic piece of software ever built, but if you don't have that, you got nothing. You you, you just wasted a whole bunch of time. So a lot of developers, you know, they, they build these awesome applications and they think that they're just going to make money. They think if they build it, they will come. And it's so, so untrue. And they think that it could be automated, that if they just get this running. And yeah, there, I'm not saying that there's no way to automate stuff, right? I mean, for actually, for, for a, a, good, a good portion of my business is automated, right? I have a bunch of courses that I sell. And I have a bunch of YouTube videos and podcasts and, and blog posts. And I capture email addresses. People come to my blog and they, put, they sign up for a course, a free course, and they, get their, they put their email address in or they find a YouTube video and they sign up. And they automatically go through a, an automated email funnel that will send them emails that will eventually offer them and pitch them my courses. And they sell automatically. But that won't run forever, right? That's like I still need to create more content and I, I will also need to adapt to the marketplace, right? I, I could probably – I could take my hands off the wheel and probably for the next five years, I think the the revenue you know, could probably still be maybe like – 20 to 30k a month uh, just with no one touching it but it'll eventually go down and it could eventually drop off completely and google could shut me down right or, or you know there's a lot of factors that are involved in that so if i want to keep the business going I'll, I'll have to do it so there's always a treadmill to business you know i i would highly advise to make things as automatable as possible but um but you know I, i'll point you to a really good book though for the for the for the the treadmill kind of Thing. It's it's actually a really strange book, <laughs> another one uh, by David Data called "The Way of the Superior Man," hmm. and uh, the very first chapter of the book is is what what I'd, I'd like to highlight. And the, the written version is important because the audible version is a totally different thing. But so the, so the Kindle or written version, and in the very first chapter of the book, he said something that highly impacted me, which he he talked about this idea of like, it's never going to be done. It's never going to be finished. Stop waiting for things to be completed. Stop waiting for things to be finished. Stop saying when this is done. Just realize that, you know, and I'm paraphrasing here, but essentially the battle begins anew each day, right? So I lived a lot of my life trying to say, okay, I just want to be done with this stuff, right? I just want to be off the treadmill. And what I, what I realized is that, no, 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 that is life. <laughs> and, and, and as soon as, you know, just having that realization that it's all, there, no matter where you get to, there's always going to be new problems. There's always going to be new, you know, you, you don't ever like, you know, you don't go for a run and get your diet in order and lift some weights and then you're done. And like, okay, well, I'm done. You know, I'm fit now. Aren't I fit now? No, every day you got to wake up and you got to get to the gym again and you got to go, you know, and eat healthy again. And you got to go for your run again. Right. And so if your mindset is, and this is why a lot of people fail on diets, by the way, is because they, they think, okay, well, I just got to do this six week program and I got to get through till Friday and then I'm done. That, that you're living in misery the whole freaking time. <laughs> People live their business like that. They live their life like that. They live their career like that. And the whole time they're waiting for their life to be done so it can begin. It's it's insanity. But we get trapped in that. And so my answer to that is to say, no, no, no. If you recognize that there's always going to be a battle, that it's always going to be hard, that there's always going to be problems, you're going to if you're going to do a diet program, it's a lifestyle. You're going to be doing this for the rest of your life. But that's okay, and you embrace that. Now everything is a challenge. Now your perspective is different. Now you're like, okay, well, you know, I'm going to keep recording. You know, for me, I'm doing two to three YouTube videos a day. 
I'm not looking forward to the day when I can stop. Doing, I'm not saying I'm going to do it forever, but I'm saying that every day I wake up and I'm like, all right, let's create some more videos today. Right. And that's that's the, the, the shift in, in the difference there that I think is more important than than the issue of, you know, what kind of business is more automatable or not? Or can you ever have a passive income business? Because the, the chances are, if you're looking for that and the reason why you're looking for that is so that you can get off the treadmill of life you're going to be sorely disappointed because it, it, it's never going to happen. Instead, you just need to embrace the treadmill of life and say, look, there's always going to be, I'm always going to go to the gym and, and have to lift weights to maintain what I've got. I'm always going to have to like, you know, face a new challenge or fight new battles or have a fight with my, you know, I'm never going to have perfect relationships. I'm going to have fights with my spouse and my kids and all that, but that's cool. That's all right. That's okay. That's what life is. I'm not waiting for everything to settle down. I'm, I'm jumping into the fray. Okay. Great way to conclude. John, thanks for coming on Software Engineering Daily. It's been great talking to you. Yeah, thanks, Jeff. I mean, you, you are awesome. <laughs> you have brought a ton of depth, I have to say, with the questions that you've asked. You've asked some <laughs> just fantastic, one of the best interviews, I think, that I've uh, I've had the opportunity to be on. So. Oh, appreciate that. I appreciate that. And and uh, thanks for, for bringing all your content. I mean, I remember I listened to your software engineering radio interview about soft skills. And I thought I was I was pleasantly surprised with how interesting it was. So cool. Good material. <laughs> <laughs>